Okay, listen up. Before we start this, understand what it is. The Spartan Pledge is a battle drill. It's what to do when you don't know what to do. Remember that. I will be the last to fall. Two things every warfighter needs. I won't shed a tear for them to see. Is a battle buddy and a mission. Repeat after me. I will not take my own life by my own hand. I will, I will not take, take my own life by my own hand. Until I talk to my battle buddy first. Until I talk to my battle buddy first. My mission. My mission is to find a mission. Is to find a mission. To help my warfighter family. To help my warfighter family. Thank you. You've now taken the Spartan pledge. Don't let it die here. You are now authorized to go and tell other people, other warfighters. You don't take it for yourself, you take it for them. It's an agreement so they know where to go when they're having problems. Take this, go give it to others. All the way. Make it happen. Give it to others. Make it happen. DB Radio. Please remember the views and opinions expressed by this show or any other show on DB Radio and its guests are strictly those of said individuals and do not reflect those of the DB Radio staff nor the staff of dysfunctional veterans. So you've had cold water shot up your ass? You don't know nothing. You don't know living, buddy. After that phone call, I was just thinking you're a few fries short of a happy meal. You got to stay in to get it in. You got to pick a harder target. And she's back with food in her mouth. Hopefully that'll keep her busy. I really don't have anything. Like, how would you like to be related to some bona fide white people? Look, goddamn it. All black people sound alike when they get excited. Shut up. Family. I get it up faster than DB6 can. Then he lied to you. I thought it sucked. I pushed the button. You don't push the button. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget, everybody, this is dbradio.net, where we are the professional unprofessionals at being professional by being this No, this is the fucking news. You're tuned in to WDVR on dbradio.net. That is how it is right here on WDVR, dbradio.net. It's best alive. It's October 9th, 2021. I'm Bonerwood. We sort of got a full house tonight. Uh, Sergeant Wardog is at a birthday party with his in-laws, and he's going to try and be on for a little bit at some point. Uh, Chris and Justin of what was formerly known as Sayscape are supposed to try and get on at some point. I've not heard back from either one of those. We got 
Google, who was supposed to be on and do the news at quarter after the hour, because she's got to get off soon, and she's not in here yet. Then, the people that are actually in here, we got Oink, we got JJ, a.k.a. PTS Dog, we got Mike Gordia on to talk about his brand new book, and we got Brad Borders from Oink. Purple Heart Holmes. There you go, because I am not going to fuck it up when the dude is here on the show. <laughs> how's, how's everybody doing tonight that's at your computer? Doing, doing good, great, brother. Good. It's good, good to hear all your, all your voices again. Brother, it's been a minute, hasn't it? A few months at least. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and, um, well, first and foremost, thank you, everybody, for listening to us. If you're listening to us, whether it's live or on podcast. Um, thank you guys for the new listeners. We've, I've noticed a few new listeners on the podcast uh, over the past couple of weeks. We do apologize that we didn't have one last week. Um, as you know, I have Crohn's. <laughs> and uh, it hit me hard last week. It, I, I had a really, really rough week last week. Um, and I didn't think I was going to make it for the show so i was like look we'll just take the show uh night off for the show google wasn't filling up to it oink wasn't really filling up to it so we just nixed last week and i do apologize for that but we're back tonight hopefully with a fun full loving in your face fuck you kind of show um, <laughs> <laughs> um like i said we do have uh jj pts dog on tonight which He's not been on anything in quite some time. That's yeah. Well, you know, I'm on watch lists, so <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. That is true. That is true. A lot of stuff's been happening over the past couple of weeks. Uh, I don't want to go down any rabbit holes right yet because, like I said. Google is supposed to be on and be doing the news at quarter after the hour, which is 15 minutes after for those who still don't know how to tell time, even though, you know, you have digital fucking watches now. Um, so we do. So whenever she gets in here, hopefully we can get that out of the way. I think there's like three or four stories. Um, damn, I don't want to go down any rabbit holes. Well, you know what? Um, Shit, I can't talk about much since <laughs> I don't want to go down any rabbit holes. Um, but uh, JJ, what have you been up to until uh, Google can get in here? Hopefully, very soon. Well, I've been making uh, oddly shaped pieces of wood round and uh, creating some really beautiful things. I did a uh, pair of jewelry boxes for a uh, fellow woodworker. And some pens. Um, I uh, eh, I haven't been on in a while. My nephew was murdered in spring, early in the spring. And oh, I'm uh, sorry to hear that. Uh, he made some very bad life choices. Anyway, uh, for my my sister, I offered to make an urn, and and really, especially with uh, uh, Fester's passing, making his urn was not an easy at all for me it was very difficult and and i kind of stepped away from the shop for a little while well after my nephew was murdered um and my sister asked for an urn i i don't know i actually talked with my psychiatrist about this i guess this is all like six or seven months ago 
So yeah, spring. So I talked to my psychiatrist about this and I don't know why, but for whatever reason, what broke me out of my funk was trauma was the loss of a fa- of my nephew and going and making an urn for him. And it relit the fire. And I don't know why doing something for in regards to death is what brought me back out of the Jesus Christ, somebody fucking do something about this country funk, <laughs> but um, that's what did it. So I, uh, I started uh, right, uh, right after Fester's Memorial um, with an urn for my nephew. And um, I have been working my ass off in my shop, uh, making all kinds of shit. I'm in a gallery here in Lexington um uh pottery mission pottery and more i'm in that gallery it's right smack downtown mexican mexican lexington right on the central square um got my first check from them uh at the beginning of the month and um things are just the world's going to shit but i'm kind of plugged into a woodworking and veteran community outside of fuckbook that is becoming very rewarding um, and I miss all you fuckers, but I won't use fuckbook as much as I used to. Cause fuck, fuck, book. Yeah. fuck, fuckerberg, fuck all that fucking fuck. Yeah. I got Tell you. me how you really feel. Fuck. But yeah. I'm cranking out some wildly beautiful things. I'm having the opportunity to turn exotics that I have never turned before. And um, it's kind of cool. It's pretty exciting. Yeah. I've seen a few of your new things and they are beautiful. Dude, that Sapelle jewelry box oh, it was so hard to put that in the mail. How can people get in contact with you if they want to either look over your products that are already made or want to, you know, commission you for something? Yeah. Or- yeah. Well, I do have a Facebook page, W-A-H-T-I-E, Watai Woodturning. Uh, you can message me there. I will respond that day, but um, I really spend most of my time not there. I've got Instagram. I fucking hate Instagram, but you can message me there. Uh, I am on TikTok. Watai Woodturning. Watai, W-A-H-T-I-E underscore Woodturning. Uh, I have a YouTube channel. Just look for Watai Woodturning, W-A-H-T-I-E. And um, I'm on MeWe. I I have a PTS dog account. I just started the Watai Woodturning account. And MeWe's changed a little bit in, in the last year. So y'all got to let me catch up on MeWe for a minute. Mm-hmm. I'm also on Rumble, but I haven't pushed, posted much there. Uh, do you still have a website for your wood turning? Or- oh yeah. Duh. Watai woodturning.com. <laughs> That's the, if you really want to get me that day, Watai woodturning.com. W-A-H-T-I-E-W-O-O-D-T-U-R-N-I-N-G. Watai woodturning.com. Yes. All of the and, uh, uh, hey all, red, uh, all of our military veterans just went. I don't understand. You're coming in garbled and fucking William <laughs> Alpha Hero <laughs> yeah. Tango India Echo uh-huh. <laughs> Whiskey Oscar Oscar <laughs> Delta Tango Uniform Romeo November India November Golf dot com bitches. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, there you go. <laughs> I didn't expect him to actually do it. <laughs> you didn't think I could still do that shit, did you? <laughs> well, it's funny because somebody asked me one day if I could still do the phonetic alphabet because I always just normally spell out shit. And ever since then, if it's not a long ass fucking URL like yours, I just do the phonetic. So do it again, but backwards, Nog says. <laughs> No, Nogs, no. <laughs> Red said you reminded him of his website. I'm barely on Facebook, let alone all that other yeah. shit. That's why she's saying to me. <laughs> yeah, she's she, Red's Red's a great friend, a supporter, a patron, yes. and a customer. And um yeah, I all the ever since November 2nd, Facebook has become insufferable, and I'm yeah. sorry. I didn't cancel it. I didn't cancel anybody, but I don't have to put up with that shit. I can choose to do other things with my mind. Yeah. And, you know, going along with what you said about getting back in the swing of things, um, I'm getting my desktop, you know, set up. I just got my speakers. I think it was Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday. All I got to do is pull everything over here in front of the couch and hopefully just plug and play. So uh, hopefully within the next week or so. That the be- one that the escape guys built you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, hopefully, awesome. Hope. See, I have been out of the loop. It's been a minute. I thought you had that shit running. No, because uh, you know, finding a goddamn thing to sit here in front of the couch with uh, a desktop uh, yeah. and all is not easy, especially when you need the monitor to be on a uh, a uh, what do you call the damn a, a something? Yeah, dude, bro. To move it we around. need to come up there with like a chainsaw and some casters and put fucking wheels on that couch. We just no. hack off the end. No, we're good. We're put good. wheels we're good. on it and scoot you around. We're good. But uh, yeah, uh, as soon as that gets uh, set up, a few videos uh, will come out, hopefully, uh, because I'm not doing videos on my laptop. I don't want my goddamn laptop to die because I'm turning it basically into the Antoine Chaos computer, you know, nice. uh, mock-ups on uh, 3D models. You've seen some of the 3D stuff I've done on my Facebook, on my personal Facebook page. Um it's so much easier for me because uh, it hurts to write. I know that sounds stupid, but it hurts my hands to write because I broke my wrist when I was younger. And then I've got really bad arthritis and joint uh, um, things from the Crohn's and, and medicines. Um, and then I, I work with miniatures, but it doesn't hurt. I know it sounds retarded, but again, um, I can't really draw no, as well as I used to. small, intricate motions help arthritis it does it really that's does why, um that's why while i was active duty i've had arthritis for years yeah. while i was active duty i tied flies yeah it helped with the pain because they wouldn't do anything they were like can you can you still do your job yeah get the fuck out of here here's some motrin bye yeah and you know i have uh problems with shaking because i have really bad muscle spasms and fucked up nerves and when i start doing my uh dio and, and scale shit it all goes away it all goes away, but uh, I'll be cranking out some entwined chaos stuff, and um, I'm cranking out tortured angel. So I might, I might, might uh, ask Mike to read that and be like, "Yo, dude, how much have I fucked up writing the storybook?" Okay, yeah. <laughs> I'll be um, glad to offer my honest critique, dude. I I would appreciate it. I, I had to fucking take some time off of it. I've had some fucked up shit going on, <laughs> but um. We got Google in here. Google, uh, are you there? Just fucking muted. 
She was like, they're talking. I can walk away. Yes, I am. <laughs> for whatever, no, for whatever reason, my computer didn't want to uh-huh. go back to uh-huh. what you call it, to the yep. Zoomy thing. Yep. As we were talking to Brad earlier, it's it's operator error. Yeah, it's operator error. Um, it is not operator <laughs> error, I promise. Do you have your three or four news stories ready? I do. I was just making sure that I was logged in to the chat because I'm going to have to post a link for one of the articles. We need um, to that we way, need to figure out your original account because that Google 3 is <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it great? <laughs> it bothers me on so many levels you don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> Look, mm-hmm. I don't have time for that. <laughs> you know, well, much other stuff. But well, first, hold on. Before I go into the news, let me just tell you. So, six is supposed to be down in North Carolina right now. Yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> Here we go. So, on what day was it? Tuesday, he was yep. leaving. He gets to the top of the road. I kid you not. He gets to the top of the road and a like light came on in the truck that said that the camper brakes were disabled. <laughs> so he calls on the radio and Flatline is like, all right, hold on. Give me a few minutes. I'll, I'll be up there. Right. It takes a while. And Six is like, you know what? I'm just going to turn around and come back down the hill. Because right? oh, he's like at the top of the road. In the process of turning around, there was the loudest pop ever. Like, we heard it in the driveway. Mm-hmm. And I get on the radio. I'm like, what did you break? And he goes, fuck, fuck, I'm really fucked. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> he broke something on the camper that needed to be replaced. So, but it would have been, like, way much money mm-hmm. to get the parts. And Flatline's like, oh, I can make that. Right? <laughs> so... <laughs> So Wednesday, he spent um, making a replacement part for the one that broke. Then he realized that three out of the four were broken. So he was like, I'm just going to replace all of them. So all day, all day Thursday, he was working on that, too. So six was going to leave on Friday. Well, as he's as Flatline's working on the camper, he notices that the brake line is frayed and the fix that whoever did was putting electrical tape around it. Oh my God. So See, the that's brain- your problem. You didn't use duct tape. If you can't duck it, fuck it. <laughs> so, so we didn't have an actual brake line, but he found a repl- he found something to put in place of it to make the brakes operate. And and then he found something else that was wrong. I'm like, oh my God. And so he went to go fix that on Friday after Six had moved the camper. And Flatline realized that underneath was all sorts of messed up. Plus, oh, and he figured out why, the, why like, no heat was staying in the camper. Because there's a big fucking hole underneath that shouldn't be there. <laughs> so he was going to fix that. But he had to take the whole bottom off. So that they were like, well, we might as well put insulation in now. <laughs> so, like. It's just been one one thing after another. Like, holy shit. Yeah. So finally, everything is, like, put back together. (laughs) But, yeah. So on top of all this, no, wait, on top of all this, not only is the fucking camper fucked up and needing parts, his goddamn truck is needing fucking parts. (laughs) 
I know. Oh, you know what? I did tell Six this. Hold on. The day that Six told me that the truck parts came in and was at your house, Bo, I was like, well, shit, he could have sent them here. I was thinking that. I was like, oh, we got the shocks for you uh, if if you've not talked to Google yet. And he went, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll hop down there. And I was like, I should have just sent them to you. And he, he went quiet. I don't think he realized what I said. And I was like, but the other parts had to be fucking backordered from every fucking where on the face of the fucking planet, it seems. I know. So they'll be here around my mom's birthday. And he went, your mom's got a birthday coming up. <laughs> I was like, yes, oh, sir. man. So, I would have been like, yeah, she's got one every year. Right, right. So yeah, <laughs> not only not only are they having to deal with the camper parts, I'm having to deal with the truck parts, and I'm having fucking trouble with that. Oh, Normally man. I wouldn't, but apparently, you know, COVID. Um, <laughs> but yeah. I know. So it's it's fucking crazy. So but yeah, like Baron has spent every single day this this past week underneath the camper trying to fix shit that was fucked up yeah i'm like oh my god so he's heading out tomorrow all right i told him i told him what was it yesterday when he told me that he was wasn't leaving until sunday because he was gonna leave today but Mm -hmm. then yesterday he's like i'm not leaving until sunday i was like at this rate you're gonna miss the race yeah yeah (laughs) I told him the other day I, when me and him talked, I was like, are you going to make it out for the race? And he went, oh, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll just have to drive all night. And I'm like, yeah, that's fucking safe <laughs> now. Like, He'll make it there. Oh, yeah, he will. It's just like, <laughs> God damn. It never fails. I don't care how much we have planned for a fucking road trip since I've known you guys. Something know, has right? fucked it up. And it's always like fucking the 11th hour when he arrives every fucking time it never fucking fails even the last yeah even the last trip he was like three days late leaving i know it's crazy it's like like you said it never fails i've decided like two months before he's supposed to hit the road i'm just gonna have flatline like make sure that everything is good on the camper (laughs) You know what? We seriously need, I'm not joking, and it's going to sound like a joke, but we seriously need to start PC, P, PMCS in the camper and truck. Like, I'm not even joking. Yeah. Like, I know we joked but, about like, it some a few of the years stuff, ago, but we need to. Like, some of the stuff, especially on the truck, it's it's tough because it'll be fine, it'll be fine, 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 broke. The thing is, the way <laughs> so six drives, like, like, I'm not saying to baby your vehicles. I'm not saying that. But six is on like this fucking, I don't know. He thinks everything's in fucking destructible. Everything. Like, <laughs> I drove my Mustang hard as fuck. Six would make that look like I was babying the fuck out of it. I'm like, he would make a but demolition you, derby look like a fucking bumper car rally. I told you, six, like, like he didn't go off a cliff, obviously, <laughs> but but he Might broke the well fucking have. sway bar on the truck. I'm like, how? How? Yeah, how? How did he do that? <laughs> because he missed a freaking like crevice. He didn't miss it. He didn't miss the crevice. No, he was like, he, oh, he, that's he, just a little bitty bump. I can go through that. I know, right? At he was 90 like, miles I didn't per see hour. It. I, like, 
like I almost lost my shit when he hit that. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> and here we are talking about Jada. fell over. And-, <laughs> and here we are talking about Jada breaking the fucking law. It's like, God damn. <laughs> no wonder she breaks the law. She drives with his fucking uncle. <laughs> I did. I actually oh, said that man. to him when he was here the last time and we got to talking about everything. I was like, no wonder she breaks the fucking law. She's learned from your ass how to drive. <laughs> Although we have told her If you're gonna speed (laughs) Know where the cop spots are Jesus Christ right, We need to get to news (laughs) I know (laughs) Cause I'll speed too But I know where the cop spots are So I slow down It's like probably bad advice. (laughs) But (laughs) But she has learned. Right. She has learned. (laughs) So far. Which reminds me. Is it illegal if you get caught? Right, exactly. If you don't get caught. Or if you have enough money. Nothing's (laughs) illegal if you have enough money. Well, just because you have enough money doesn't make it illegal. I mean, makes the whatever. I don't even know. (laughs) (laughs) But speaking of Jada, her car has been on hold this whole week because of the camper. So, (laughs) so there you go. (laughs) Tell Six to leave so you can fix her fucking car. (laughs) Oh, man. I know, right? Well, yeah. And that's the thing. Like, Flatline has to order the part that he finally found. But he he found it like three four days ago. We still haven't ordered it because he's been busy with the camper. Right, <laughs> like that's great, fantastic. <laughs> okay, give me one second, and we'll get the news going. Oh, she was ready, and now she's got to mute the fuck out. Really, really, giggle? Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> no, because I knew that I was going to start coughing, and I didn't want to do that on air. <laughs> Like that? Yeah, but it was worse than that. <laughs> it wasn't a clear my throat. It was if, a... If you ever come back down to the hack. house, if you ever come back down to the house and we still have Scooby, you'll have to cough with Scooby because she'll be like... <laughs> alongside you. Oh, my God. <laughs> my mom said when I'm asleep, she'll do it. If my mom's not been in here but once or twice, she'll do it if I'm not awake to get attention. That's so funny. My mom can be in the other <laughs> side of the house and she can hear Scooby with the door closed coughing. So that's, <laughs> that's the type of fucking bird I've got. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. All right. So a few weeks ago, I remember we were talking about like TikTok challenges and all the stupid shit that people are doing and where they draw the line. Bo, you have brought up about the crayons that you can't be eating them or posting videos about you eating edible crayons. Right. Right. Because that's where they draw the line. Well, there's a new TikTok trend, I guess. Um, Beans means crimes. Police urge stores not to sell baked beans to children amid concerns over new TikTok trend for pouring them over people's homes. Huh? What? <laughs> what? We, and so, and so instead of toilet papering people's homes or beaning their homes. 
Shopkeepers were urged not to sell baked beans to children in case they were poured over people's homes as part of an online trend. And this is happening on TikTok. Like, seriously. This has to be some UK (laughs) shit because that's the only fucking country that I know that takes beans that seriously. TikTok users started emptying tins of beans and posting beaning pictures online. Videos posted under the hashtag bean bandits show the orange gloop smeared over driveways, doorsteps, and even cars. Wait, orange goop? What kind of fucking beans are you (laughs) eating that are fucking orange? (laughs) Well, that's a picture of the Heinz baked beans with the seeds. Cheetos mixed with water until it becomes a paste. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? So there you go. Don't ask me how I know. <laughs> what? Oh, my God. So. <laughs> and they are um, literally calling it beaning someone's house? Yes. I'm not, I swear to everybody, listen, I don't see these news stories. I didn't know that was the real fucking name of the trend. <laughs> um, PCSO Michelle Owen said beaning involved youths <laughs> throwing the contents of a can of beans over properties, very similar to the trend of throwing eggs at properties. She added, if you work in a shop, please be aware of youths buying large quantities of cans of beans. If you have children living at home, please be mindful if you see them removing cans of beans from the family home. Well, I can see Mike Gordia's next new children <laughs> being the correct way. Yeah. Hey, everybody, let's go beanie. <laughs> I think I like the Tide Pods challenge better. Right? Right? <laughs> Oh my god. Oh my god. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, people are beating. Beating. That's where the bean shortage came from. (laughs) Fucking kids. (laughs) Oh man. So there you go. There. (laughs) (laughs) My God. Really? Really? What? Uh, what? Oh my God! It's I called this mute. Was it. <laughs> yeah, no, it wasn't even supposed to play. Beanie. This is a that was a different thing. God damn! <laughs> what? The beaning thing. I can't get over the beaning thing. Like I can't. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. (laughs) Moving on to the next story. I didn't actually find. Well, hold on. I think it was just the link that I posted because I was going to look at the actual thing later. So there's a and that's what what started playing. um, Someone like going reviewing this. But anyway, um, there's a new DC comic out that has Superman fighting anti-vaxxers. And I... Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not an and anti-vaxxer. I'm an anti-gene therapy, change your genetics fucking experimenter. So... <laughs> DC so... Comics pokes fun at anti-vaxxers with anti-saver movement in Superman versus Lobo number one. 
So the superhero that doesn't want kryptonite injected into his body because it'll kill him. Proof the vaccine's dangerous. I actually had somebody say that to me. I sent him the link to VAERS, said, this is not my information. This is government information. Go fuck yourself. I know, right? Like, oh my God. It's great. Um, I like how this article, because I just looked it up real quick. I like how this article explains what a jab is because it says taking a jab and then in parentheses it says pun slightly intended at people who aren't yet vaccinated against COVID-19 as well as those who outright oppose the vaccine. The issue sees a number of people talking to social media to voice their displeasure with being saved by Superman. When you gotta explain the fucking joke to somebody you're not doing (laughs) shit. I know. Fuck me. I know, it's great. I don't get paid millions <laughs> to tell jokes, but even I know that. God damn. So there you go. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. It's a no, train. Don't it's ask a where I come up with It's a stuff. shot. It's Superman. Kidding me on this one. <laughs> now I have to find this somewhere else. Link not available. Um, <laughs> no, it's. Oh God. I'm not signing up for something just because I need to see the image. <laughs> like, I'm not doing it. What's this link um, that we're going to send everybody? <laughs> Right. Well, I was going to, but now I can't. So hold on. I'm looking for. No one else has the actual like images that I need, though. This is what happens when you don't do your research when you use Google. Well, no, I did do the research, but. <laughs> All oh right, my god! Well, this one has. This is what happens when you use Google to do the research. Listen. <laughs> Listen. Not you. <laughs> the software. I know. Jesus Christ. I know. I told you I'm not like not prepared today. Obviously. Oh. <laughs> Why can't any of them just have the freaking I keep seeing the same one? Are, are, are you talking about the joke one that Oink sent you or no. And Six is texting me. Of course he is. I know, right? <laughs> What's the password to the vet house? I cannot get anything for signal, so I got to switch to the vet house. Well, the password is hanging up inside there. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, shit. Wow. <laughs> what like I can't Oh my goodness I know right Why Why can I not find What are you looking for If I told you then Maybe it's on here I keep coming up with like the same thing that Cause like people Have tweeted out are you looking for this? Some of them. I just sent it in news. 
It's coming. And send today. There you go. There you go. There you go. If you scroll down a little bit, you'll yeah. see one there. Yeah, but there are six in total. And I was trying to get it from that actual um I was trying to get it from the actual New York Times site because they have well, it's New like, York descriptions Times. and shit. It's New York I know. Times. They're not gonna give you shit for free. Not when they well, can they give you, you pay for it. They can actually well they'll they'll give you a limited number of clicks. To right. so like but now Apparently, I'm at my max. That one won't even open for me, so like I'm at the max number of clicks on it. So I can't even I'll drop it in stupid notes. That's the link once. I was gonna go to. But and it has oh, like man. descriptions of every single one and the reason why that has been chosen. I've only opened it once and it's saying I'm at my limit, so they're not allowing you to read it without paying for it. That's fucking bullshit. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Ooh, and now on the article where I got it, got this initially, uh -huh. oh, I get it now. I know why I can't really find any images. Um, they're saying they can't access the tweets. Okay. So we'll just do it with the limited options I have available. New York Times publishes redesigns of the American flag. <laughs> Twitter mockery ensues by an surprise. <laughs> The, <laughs> was one of them a bunch of dicks no <laughs> oh my god fucking so <laughs> that would be kind of funny though so i'm dropping the link into radio chat for with the one that has the most of the images control v. um all right it's in there so, well, there we go. Yeah, that's what we need. There, yes, yes, that's but, my American flag right there. That's what I want. I want that fucking multicolored every fucking nation under. Yes, that way <laughs> that it looks like I'm looking at it, all the flags under a fucking kaleidoscope. So, so the New York Times <laughs> proposed six new designs of the American flag last week, and this was like actually two weeks ago now, including those that pay homage to Black Lives Matter, Keep America Great, and Progress Pride, and others that focus on repairing systemic racism and taking care of our planet. The American flag, <laughs> the New York Times opinion piece stated, um, the American flag is a potent piece of national icon iconography, um, but its design shifted frequently until the until the early 1900s. What if it were redesigned today? We asked artists and graphic designers to try. The flags they oh. came up with reflect a mix of approaches. Some are functional designs, others artistic renderings. Some represent America as it could be. Others show how the artist sees the country now. There's one how, wait, wait, how How is adding stars as territories became states shifting the fucking design? <laughs> Am I not speaking the, the appropriate English fucking words here? Look, that one of the one of the images on this article link looks blank because it really is. It's like 
a super light, light blue, and the the stars are pretty much a shade darker than the background. So, you know like, what? you can't even wanna, see it. If we want to change the flag, you know what it should be? Dick butt. I love the kaleidoscope <laughs> one, though. Dick butt. I love that one. Right in the middle of fucking white field. Dick butt. There you go. There you go. All right. What was that, Bo? I love the kaleidoscope one. That's what I want. That way, I, I feel like I'm having some of uh, Sergeant Wardog's acid. <laughs> they've got one, and they've got uh, colors on it. It's uh, in the top left. It's red and white stripes. In the top right, it's yellow. Then below the yellow, it's green. And to the left yep. of that, it's blue. The red represents our past. The white represents our future. The blue is untapped potential or untapped potential. The yellow is repairing systemic racism, and green taking care of our planet. The strikes are fear, forgiveness, anger, joy, and pride. <laughs> and it even says left to right. Oh, my God. You even. Oh, my God. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. This, oh, this, man, is, this is what me going to fucking Iraq for 10 straight months got me. This, this is what. <laughs> seriously. Are you fucking kidding me? I know. Um. The fine one of the designs you can see it. It's all striped. It's blue up top and red at the bottom with the purple one in between. Um, it says it's to remind all of us of the constant potential and possibility inherent in America when red and blue come together as one. Uh, mm, mm. Yep. I, yep. <laughs> um the one oh the 50 stars on a gray background which is the blank looking one <laughs> that was um that represents america surrendering to its fall from power and loss of the ideals it once stood for yeah because the that, american dream is being washed away he or she yeah like, <laughs> exactly and I'm like, I am not surprised though that they were mocked for these. Uh... <laughs> I don't even know if I want to know who any of these people these are. Options. You'd, it took three people to design the blue, white, red one with the purple stripe. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Took three people to go, hey, let's throw some blue and red stripes on here. One of them's gonna be purple and we'll throw in some white. <laughs> Fucking flare. Isn't it great? Yep. I know. I do love how it says one of the artists behind the final design, which is the stripe one. <laughs> yeah. And it, and they and they they explain it. Now, red, white and blue are tribal signals and the flag seems to represent two factions forced to share a piece of fabric. Oh, you mean like a country is supposed to do. <laughs> it's great. Isn't it great? So there you go. There are new um designs. That have been brought up. Shoot me now. <laughs> Just fucking end it all now. <laughs> and Storm's knocking at the door. He's like, okay. let me back inside. It's cold out here. If that's all, all right, we for have your one news. final story. Oh my God. We have one, 
<laughs> One final story. It's from December 10th, 2019, though. But that's okay. <laughs> Hurry. <laughs> I got to get, get my book in. Thief mistakenly snorts semen instead of drugs catches STDs. There you go. That was the That's joke. all you really need to know. <laughs> yeah. They'll, they'll send you the link. <laughs> it's a joke article. It's a joke website, people. <laughs> <laughs> I'll drop it. I dropped the link in radio chat. There you go. You can read it for yourself. Read it and weep. (laughs) That is all the news I got. I'll also put it in the description of the podcast for those who are listening and want to see it. Remember the anti sex beds at the Olympic Games? Sorry. Say say again. (laughs) Remember the anti sex And that's the truth. Oh, my God. Okay, really quick. Olympic Games, what? I was saying, remember the anti-sex beds at the Olympic Games. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> wait, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll discuss oh it after Mike. Stop. We uh, got to move on to Mike. He's got to leave at quarter after. We got. Come on. We got to do this. All right. BTS dog. I was. I sent the link in <laughs> in our chat. All right. That's all I got. Goodbye. Jesus Christ. This is what happens when nobody shows up to pre-show. It all goes fucking wrong. Okay, Mike, I'm sorry. Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> Mike, I'm sorry. But no problem, so, brother. So finally we get to Mike Gordia, who is an amazing author. He's been on before. We love him dearly. He's always got an open-ended invite, even though he feels the need to be like, yo, can I come on? I'm like, dude. Just come the fuck on. Tell me when the date is. We'll get you in there, man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's glad to know, brother. Glad Thank to know. you. Thank you. Uh, I haven't been able to read this book yet. Please don't hate me. Um, I've had a lot going on, like I said, with my Crohn's this week. But Oink did. Um, but your new book, Skybreak, the 58th Fighter Squadron in Desert Storm, is out now. I know you spent hours interviewing and researching the book. What is it about and what is it pertaining to and why would someone uh, like us uh, in our generation and Oink's generation and JJ's generation find this uh, something, uh, quote unquote, worthy of reading and, and intriguing to read? All right, brother. Well, first off, let me just say, always awesome to be on the show. Yeah, you, Oink, Google. Hey, I love you guys. Always, always a pleasure to uh, hear everything you guys got to say. So for uh, Skybreak, 58th Fighter Squadron in Desert Storm, you know, I think the biggest thing that will appeal uh, to the widest swath of the book buying audience out there is really uh, just how much these guys accomplished in such a little span of time and how we really went into the conflict uh, thinking that we were going in from a position that was not as strong as we would have liked to have been because If we wind the clocks back to about 1990, yeah, we had just uh, gotten over the post-Vietnam malaise, but we still didn't really know if we had the stomach to sit through another high-intensity conflict. And we were going up against what was the largest air force in the Middle East at that time, and they had the biggest and baddest of the latter-day Soviet aircraft, you know, like the MiG-29. And we were thinking to ourselves, our own F-15s are, uh, as of yet, unproven in combat and uh, how are we going to stack up against guys who have had eight freaking years of combat experience against the Iranians uh, throughout the Iran-Iraq war. 
and just uh, for for a sense of what the human spirit can accomplish when the chips are down and the odds are seemingly stacked against you, what these guys accomplished being young and untested in combat is really just nothing short of phenomenal. And not only that, I think this is also a nod, and this is what I, I tried to capture throughout the book. It's a nod to just how important your support service personnel are because uh, throughout that entire conflict, you know, they kept these F-15s in the air on a 24 hour basis, but the 58th fighter squadron did something. And for all the non-Air Force types out there, uh, this was nothing short of a miracle. They were able to keep their air squadron at a 98% OR rate. And that's unheard of even in peacetime. I mean, these guys were beg borrowing and stealing, uh, you know, all, all across the Southwest Asia theater uh, to keep those planes at a uh, high OR rate. And just the fact that they were able to pull it off and they were able to do it uh, during a time of a very uh, high op tempo conflict is, is just nothing short of amazing. So, uh, you know, to answer your question in the, uh, in the broadest stroke possible, it's a a story of uh, what both men and machines can accomplish when you have the right training, the right motivation and uh, the uh, strong backing of a uh, of a population and a political establishment back home. Yeah, I don't know how many people were around that are listening. You know, during Desert Storm or, or Children or whatever, but that was basically all that was on television for most of the day, every day, the entire time. Um, Now, I know a lot of your books have to do with Desert Storm and things leading up to Desert Storm. And somebody might be saying, what makes it so different than your other books? Can you tell them why this is so distinguishable from the other uh, books you've written that, like I said, had to do with Desert Storm? Right. Well, uh, this is uh, is one of the few books out there, really, that uh, focuses on Desert Storm primarily from the perspective of the air campaign. Uh, you know, there have been a lot of books written since the end of the Gulf War that focus a lot on the battles that were fought on the ground. And uh, that's that's how I first made my segue into writing about the conflict, you know, being that I'm an Army vet, being that I was a ground pounder. Uh, but mm-hmm. then I started to dive more into uh, what was happening from the third dimension. And I said, you know, I really don't think that this has gotten uh, quite the attention that I think it deserves. And I said, well... You know, being that there was so much going on in the air and that there was a uh, month-long air campaign to soften up the Iraqi targets before the ground war started, I really need, I, I think there needs to be more written, more uh, presented to the general public about what these pilots accomplished and uh, just how intense and how much of a, uh, how much of a cerebral mind game it was to make sure all of these air assets are acting in sync and, uh, you know, how much you need to have your wits about you when you're piloting a uh, uh, $20 million aircraft in the dead of night. That's, that's, I love that because, I mean, I don't think there's enough written from anybody's point of view that was there on any war, um, whether it was, you know, the Civil War, World War One, to any of the wars. And I love how not only do you grab interviews with people that you're writing about or the units and, and whatnot, but you also focus on that topic. You don't 
stray off into, well, then 15 years later and stay on that for two chapters. (laughs) And I know that's one of your big pet peeves as well. Um, Like I said, you had countless hours of research and interviews. What was something that really stuck out at you, whether it was an interview or, or research? Well, you know, I think the biggest thing that stuck out uh, to me throughout all the interviews that I was doing was just how intense of an experience it was for all of these pilots. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I take their collective stories together, I think I, I really just think to myself, my God, they accomplished so much. I'm shocked that nobody has gotten all of their stories together and put them in one single volume so far. Because here you had uh, here you had a squadron that had the most air-to-air kills of any squadron in that conflict. They had the most number of double kills. That is, pilots who were credited with more than one get uh, killed while they were on a mission. And uh, the squadron that killed the most number of MiG-29s within a single conflict, and the uh, squadron that got the very first confirmed air-to-air kill of the entire conflict. Mm-hmm. And uh, what ties all of these broader themes together is just how intensely they remember it and how intimate of an experience that it it was for them. Because, you know, you had these pilots about the average age of uh, the fighter pilot that I interviewed at the time was 27. So here you have guys that are just getting on the cusp of their thirties. They have never been in combat before and, you know, how they deal with the second and third order effects of, uh, of pulling that trigger on the joystick or excuse me, on the throttle. God, you can really <laughs> tell that I'm a gamer because I say things like joystick. Sorry about that. Right. Um, but, you know, when when they uh, when, when they pull that trigger, you know, how that affects them uh, in the immediate aftermath and and how they uh, how they reconcile those feelings against the against the ever present need to do their duty. And, uh, you know, just adding that human element in there, I think, really helps uh, draw the reader in and helps tell a more compelling story. Right. And I don't want to make this into a joke. I want to make that perfectly clear before I ask you this question, because I know some people will want to crack jokes. But if we were to turn Skybreak and this story of the 58th Fighter Squadron into a movie, would you go as far as to say their story would rival something like Top Gun? Oh, I think so, brother. And, you know, as a matter of fact, I'm glad you asked because what I was thinking to myself and um, what uh, some of the banter that I shared with the pilots throughout this process and even in some of the other interviews that uh, I've done with with other podcasts mm-hmm. is that they say, you know, hey, if there if there was a uh, if there was a film adaptation of this, what would it look like? And I think it would rival Top Gun. And I. I I say that not to be presumptuous, but, you know, I say that in the sense that if it were to become a piece of film noir, that it would it, it, that it would encapsulate all of the realistic human elements that come with telling a historical tale. And I think it would actually be served well to become a miniseries, kind of like Band of Brothers in the Air. Right. Yeah. I mean. I know, you know, like I said, Top Gun is one of the quote-unquote most beloved, quote, amazing, uh, if you will, air combat movies out there. But I am more drawn to things like this, like Tuskegee Airmen with Lawrence Fishburne and Cuba Gooden Jr. Mm-hmm. Like, 
that brings right. more to the table as far as, like you said, telling a story and showing the human aspect. Um, like I said, I've not gotten been able to read this yet, but Oink has. Oink, what do you want to ask Mike or talk about to with him about Skybreak? Well, I just think it, it, it definitely brought up a lot of memories for me because uh, my first duty location was Kadena Air Base, where the 12th was, where some of these pilots flew, you know, from. And I was like, man, I, I know the 12th. Hell, the 12th was up here at Elbendorf until they decommissioned in 2009. You know, it's like small Air Force, the 525th. They're actually up here in Alaska now. When your story here is presented in the book, they were stationed at Bitburg Air Base there in Germany. So it's it's definitely a small Air Force. But uh, unfortunately, I never got to uh, serve with or near side the uh, 58th. Uh, like I said, I was all all over the place, but actually was uh, at Mountain Home at the same time Cesar Rodriguez, uh, one of the pilots in your book, was uh, mentioned. I was at Mountain Home the same time he was and didn't know it. Oh, nice. So, so uh, definitely a small Air Force. Like I said, just reading this and also your other book, Wings of Fire, for the you know F-15 side of the house, um, like I said, it brought back a lot of memories, that's for sure. Awesome, brother. I'm glad it did. Good um, memories too, not not any bad memories, you know. Because I like you right. said, you know, for these guys to, to be turning the wrenches to keep those aircraft at that you know mission capable rate is just phenomenal. I mean, I haven't seen that done here in my twenty some year career of the Air Force. I don't think it'll ever be matched again. To be honest. I know you've not got a lot of time left, Mike, and and I just got one more question. The interviews. I know us as veterans are drawn to one another, no matter what. Um, but did any interview really draw you in more or, or like I say, stand out um, and made you go, wow, or person that you were interviewing? Absolutely, it did. Um, as a matter of fact, I can point to two individuals just right offhand. Um, the first one that really stands out the most to me, I think, was the uh, segment of interviews. I did about uh, four hours worth of interviews with Chief Jose Matos. He was a chief master sergeant. He was the uh, he was the maintenance chief for the 58th Fighter Squadron, and you know his uh, his story is just so compelling because here was a man who grew up in uh, what was essentially the uh, the the backwoods of Puerto Rico. He had a very limited command of the English language, yet he enlisted in the Air Force at the tail end of Vietnam. He ended up serving a tour in Vietnam. He ended up going through. Uh, a crash course ESL class while, while he was in basic training. And, uh, you know, the stories that he tells, not only from his perspective of two different wars, but the uh, perspective of a, uh, of a man who, uh, man who spent his life, you know, turning wrenches to get these planes in tip top shape. You know, it really, I think, keys the reader into a dimension of the Air Force that I think the broader public doesn't fully understand is that it's really those ground support crews that run the entire operation. And it's a very well understood fact. Oink, I think you could back me up on this, that uh, it's the uh, crew chiefs and the maintenance crews that really own those planes. It's the pilots who borrow them. Exactly. Uh, We have a saying, I was a uh, uh, age mechanics, what I was. So we uh, had a saying of no air power without ground power. So, and that's, that's, you know, true statement there, because it's, like you said, there's mechanics and the crew chiefs and the specialists and everybody that has, you know, their, nit, their little spit, you know, little niche of a job that they have to do on that aircraft, you know, they have to do it well and they have to work together because sometimes you can't have a hydraulics troop in there when you got an engine troop in there. And then, you know, it, it takes a lot of coordination. Those guys do a lot of amazing things out there and all kinds of weather at that too. All right. Absolutely. Is there- 
I was just going to say, Oink, is there anything you want to ask Mike about the book itself? No, I, 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 like I said, it just uh, brought back a lot of memories for me, a lot of flashbacks of where I was, you know, uh, during that time, you know, like you said, watching it on TV as a kid, but also knowing that I was, you know, part of or worked around a lot of those squadrons that they talk about, you know, the 525, the 12th and uh, 366 at their Mount Home. Just a different, like I said, just just brought back a lot of memories. And it was re- well written. And like I said, you know, hats off to the Chief because he did amazing shit, you know. So, and I kind of like the way he did write it too, where it tells the story of that time and it tells them what they're doing now. So, Oh, right. I love that. And, and, and I think the interviews that I that I was able to do with Chief were all the more powerful because about uh, about three and a half months to the day after I finished my final interview with him, he tragically passed away. Oh, and uh, it, it was uh, it was quite a shock to all of us because we, we knew he had been wrestling with cancer for a while to this point. We just we uh, we didn't think that uh, it had progressed to the point that it had. And we thought, uh, I, I think a lot of us thought that he was going to beat cancer into submission, um, but uh, 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 tragically he passed away. But um, one of his daughters um, uh, contacted me and she said, you know, before he died, he was, uh, he was so glad that uh, you were able to get his story on paper. And that was one of the reasons why right before, uh, about a week or two before the book went to press, I, uh, I went in and I made sure to add his name to the dedication line to say that, you know, hey, this book is dedicated to uh, Chief Master Sergeant Jose Matos, who uh, tragically passed away while this, while this book was in post-production. So he, he just had such a compelling story. And the other gentleman whose uh, story really stands out to me, if you, uh, if you read the book, you'll see that there's quite a lot that was contributed by a young man by the name of Mark Ariola. And uh, he was the most junior pilot in the squadron that deployed over there. He was the uh, you know, he was a, a brand new second lieutenant, essentially, uh, fresh out of the Air Force Academy. And uh, just the perspective that he gives to the operation as a young officer, a guy who uh, you know, is pr- pretty much the rookie of the squadron. And even though he, he never got uh, any confirmed aerial kills, you know, he uh, had quite a few near brushes with death, um, you know, thanks to uh, the... Uh, Iraqi anti-anti-aircraft fire, and uh, just the perspective that he brings throughout, uh, you know, his trials and tribulations uh, throughout the air campaign, I, I just think are nothing short of amazing, especially because he's, you know, reconciling his uh, first-time experience against, uh, first-time experience in war against, you know, everything he's built up in his mind as to what an air war should look like. Well, first of all, thank you for doing the stories that you do and putting things into perspective for people that think they know because they watched Top Gun or right. they heard a story or they read another book that, you know, had maybe a chapter about it. Thank you for that. Seriously. Um, oh, you're welcome, brother. My pleasure. I know how humble you are and you're not going to mention it, but you got an award recently. I did. Yeah. Um, so uh, somebody at the Military Writers Society of America thought it was a good idea to <laughs> name me as author of the year. And uh, I was uh, I got to tell you, brother, I was uh, I was honored even to be considered for it. Um, but uh, that was uh, that was a very, very humbling moment for me. Uh, th- that is a group of uh, just amazing military writers, amazing military historians, um, many of whom are veterans uh, you know, veterans of war stretching all the way back to, uh, to Vietnam and Korea. 
and uh, for them to give me a uh, give me an award of that caliber, I mean that just blew me away, and uh, that that made me, in a sense, that made me double down even more to say, wow, you know, uh, I want to make sure that uh, the next project is uh, something even more special, you know. I know that some people have had trouble getting just noticed by the Military Rider Society of America. So the fact that you're a part of them and you got the award, brother, congratulations. Like, I can't oh, thank praise you, you enough. And you deserve it, rightfully. Yeah. So you, you deserve a lot more than just that award. <clears throat> but congratulations, brother, seriously. Yeah, Mike, that's that's really freaking awesome. I was named Print Journalist of the Year for the 19, uh, United States Navy in 2002. Awesome. And, um, so I can tell you that I know exactly. It was like, wow, really? So congratulations. That's freaking awesome, man. That's really cool. Well, well, thank you, brothers. I mean, I, uh, I gotta tell you, I love what I do. I love telling the stories of all, all of my brothers and sisters in arms. And, uh, for me, it has really been a calling and, you know, I, I just consider myself blessed up and down to be able to share these stories, man. And uh, even more so blessed to come on the live airwaves and share them all with you. Well, I just want everybody to know that even the army can achieve its dreams. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, we, we can make it too. Uh, seriously, Mike, uh, people can get your book uh, on Amazon. Is there anywhere else they can uh, grab it? Uh, yes. As a matter of fact, let's see. They can get it through Books a Million. They can get it through Barnes and Noble. Uh, Amazon's probably the quickest way to get it. And uh, if anyone out there is especially motivated, they would like a signed copy uh, from me. They can contact me through my website, mikeguardia.com. And yeah, I'll be uh, be glad to send the be glad to send a copy their way. Definitely check out his uh, website. Everybody's got. Uh, the uh, Christmas Story children's book. You've got a, another one as well, correct? Correct. Uh, yeah, as a matter of fact, the uh, first children's book I wrote was inspired by my baby daughters. Uh, it's a book written entirely in verse called It's Snowing in Hawaii, and it tells the uh, story of a magical snowstorm that happens on the beaches of Honolulu. So if, uh, if, uh, you, ever, if you ever feel the need for something whimsical, Please pick up that book. I've definitely got to add that one to my collection too. I've got so many <laughs> books from Mike, you guys. Like I've got all of Bet's. I think I've got just about all of Mike's at this point. Like you guys don't know. I've got so many books. I could start my own library. Um, <laughs> seriously, thank you, Mike, for coming on again. Thank you for doing the stories that you do and and putting a face and a perspective on the men and women behind. Uh, the history of not just our country, uh, but people in general. Absolutely, brother. Well, Bo, I got to tell you, it is always a pleasure to be on the show. Oink, Google, you guys are awesome. Keep doing what you're doing. JJ, it's good to see you. Brad, hope everything's going well for you, brother. You, brother. And yeah, I will... I will most definitely stay in touch with all of you guys. So I will peace out just a bit early for the sake of getting said baby girls to bed. But right. guys, stay safe. God bless you all. And keep fighting the good fight. You as well, brother. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. All right. All right. Thank you, guys. Cheers. 
Everybody, please, I implore you, go check out MikeGordia.com. Go grab Skybreak, the 58th Fighter Squadron in Desert Storm. Go grab the children's book. We read World War II. And his, and his other books. They did. That's not his only book. He had his oh, other no. shit. Days of Fury, Wings of Fire, uh, the this man story is of the right. F-14 Tomcat. Yeah, yeah the, the F-14. I was on the last combat deployment of the F-14 Tomcat on USS John F. Kennedy uh, with the Top Hatters in uh, Operation Deny Flight in 1997. And uh, yeah, um, Mike's writing about real shit that many of us who are still alive experienced. And it's yeah. cool. Yeah, so please go check out all of his books. Even if you just buy a Kindle version, grab them, check them out, read them. Uh, let Mike know what your thoughts are. And and if you were a part of anything or, or your family, let him know. I mean, seriously, let him know. Uh, the same way with Betsy Ross, I've told you guys, and, and PTS Dog, let them know. Don't just be critical. Tell them how you felt and, and all that good shit. Uh, MikeGuardia.com, smile.amazon.com. Make DB Farm your charity of choice. A portion of your shopping cart goes directly to the DB Farm. No hidden fees or extra costs. And... It all goes straight to the DV farm. That smile.amazon.com make DV farm your charity of choice while you check out Mike Gordia and Betsy Ross and PTS Dogs books. Um. <laughs> you, you just said something important, Bo, and I want to I want to reiterate it. I've had about six people in the last four and a half, five years tell me that I changed their life. Now, I know there's more, but especially recently. It has been so difficult to stay, to have any kind of motivation to keep doing what I do because only five or six people have come back to me and said, you saved my life or you changed my life. DV doc was one of my biggest supporters, one of my first donors. And he was the first person who said, you changed my life. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. That unfortunately he's gone, but that was four years ago and that mm -hmm. gave me another year's worth of steam to keep going i don't know if you the reader understand how absolutely crucial I, for me yeah if you reach out to me and say you changed my life you saved my life mm -hmm. i need that and yeah. nobody says it and um, it's really fucking huge when i hear that it's like yeah and I, thank I you i i didn't know i feel like you betsy and myself all fuel our fire to write off of that um i have a profile on hit record and i've not put a lot of stuff over there uh just because i want to own my shit and i just put stuff over there once in a while um but what little feedback I've gotten from hit record or on my Facebook page, <coughs> like dog is right. Like seriously, it, when somebody reads it and says, good job. Okay. What did you like? About That's why, like, well, well, look, and part of the big reason why I've just fucking left fuck book is because I get attacked 300 times yeah. and argued yeah. with, for every one time someone says, I never knew that. Thanks. Yeah. Yep. 
And, I and it's just like, man, fuck that shit. Yeah. And I, know so I many actually do hard research in order to make yep. sure I tell you facts and you want to argue because you're butthurt. Yeah. 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 I know, and you fuck know, I, you. I know people get tired of hearing me say, let Betsy know your thoughts on fight. Let PTS dog know your thoughts on his books. Let Mike know your, your thoughts on his books. But at the end of the it's, day, yeah. it's, it's, it's not, not about, it's not about getting my dick rubbed. It's about, I don't think I have any effect on anybody. Right. Because nobody tells me I do. And I think so why main, am I bothering? I think one big problem is unless you see it from some, quote unquote influencer or some big name brand that's backing it and promoting it. You're like, well, it's just somebody trying to make some money. And I'm going to tell you right now, ain't none of them making that much money off of this shit. Let me tell you. All right. Whether Look, you're self-publishing. Where are we? I published whatever. what, three years ago? Yeah. <laughs> I have yet to break even. I, I have not broken even. Well, I'm writing Tortured Angel. And while I'm writing it, I'm looking at the best avenue for me. Not only for terms of saving money, but also to get it out to any and everybody I can without having to spend a shit ton of money and give away my rights. Like, honestly, honestly, Kindle Development Press, Amazon. Yeah, you're giving more money to Jeff Bezos, but Amazon is the best way to maintain your rights and reach the most people. Bezos isn't CEO shit. anymore. It doesn't matter. He's Bezos still hasn't been CEO pockets. for a long time. Um, but uh, it, it's 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 not as profitable as you would be led to believe. Like Amazon or publishing on Amazon. Art, art, and art like dioramas yeah. and painting and wood turning and writing are some of the least profitable things that you can ever do. And I mean that sincerely. At one time, the reason Going With The Wind is so fucking long is because they got paid per fucking word. That's how news articles and books used to be. You got paid per word. That's why most books going back before the 1900-something is so fucking long. The author got paid per word. They didn't get paid... Because they made a biography about Abraham Lincoln. Like, <laughs> yeah, they didn't get paid by sales back then. They got paid yeah. by word, yeah. Right. So now you got to pay for word. Yeah, and, and today it's even harder because people are assholes. But anyway, I need to get off my fucking soapbox for a minute. Um, Dude, sorry I started it, but, but he, that was what you said was exactly yeah. right. Give us... Because you know what? We don't get the feedback in profit. Mm-hmm. We, we, I, I make fucking like $12 a month off of both books. Yeah. And I have to split some of that with Carla because she illustrated the children's book. And she done damn fucking good. Let me tell you. I oh, love yeah, that. She, yeah. She'll do my next one. But what really mean what, because paying me money, I don't get money. Yeah. What really means it because I don't get get financial compensation is when you reach out and it's say, this changed yeah. my life. It's your, that's my that, payment. Yeah. It's, it's just like DV radio. We don't get paid at DV radio, but hearing your stories on we how fucking pay DV radio to make this happen. <laughs> yeah. So that's our, I get, payment. My, I get my bank account overdrawn at the end of every month and I don't care. 
Shut up. <laughs> I'm not going to say it doesn't matter. You still get the money. I'm still supporting the station. I don't give a I fuck. Know. I know. And, 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 you know, I've had moments where I'm tell, I, I told Google one time, I was like, so I've got to reimburse myself for DB radio for like $500. She was like, what for? I was like, well, we sort of couldn't cover this one thing and I'm going to overdraft if I don't. So, <laughs> so yeah. 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 You know, I finally was able to divorce my ex that was fun. Oh my God. That was great stories. Let me tell you yeah. what. <laughs> Let me tell you this story. So my ex, my ex is a master of uh, obfuscation and manipulation. And she concocted this story that she submitted to the court. It's official court records that I uh, was being paid hundreds of thousands of dollars for the book. And thousands of dollars per episode for the service talk show on DV radio. <laughs> and I actually had to produce the financial records, all of my bank account records and yep. show that, no, I, I pay DV radio $40 a month <laughs> yeah. in donations. And Oh, by the way, uh, here's what it costs me to produce the book. Here's how much I've made. And I'm still at now four years later, I'm about $1,500 upside down on PTS dog, the post-traumatic stress disorder in the service dog. So come so, at it, yeah. come at us with your, you make thousands and hundreds and millions on TV radio. Come at us with that shit. I dare you. It's a miracle. It, honestly, I didn't push it. If I was a lawyer, mm -hmm. like I defended myself one, I paid her $1,500 on the try. I, I won. $1,500 was a small price to pay. Um, if I were a lawyer, I'm sure there was a way I could have pointed out to the court that her submitted testimony, which is under oath, was a lie and had her charged with perjury. I'm yeah. sure I could have. Yeah. It wasn't my goal, although it would have been nice. That would have been the icing. Yeah. It would have been ideal. No, no. You don't understand. That bitch is a criminal. The reason I the reason I divorced her is well I knew she was a liar. Uh, we were breeding Alaska Malamutes. We she coerced me abusively, uh, not physically but psychologically, and she was drugging me with uh, Seroquel. She coerced me into taking her to Muscle Shoals, Alabama, to pick up to quote unquote buy two new or uh, three new dogs for our kennel. One of the dogs was paid, was donated from that breeder to a veteran and we delivered the dog. She did not pay for the other two dogs. I ended up having to return the dogs at my cost because my stupid ex was in jail for larceny, for grand theft, larceny, um, because the other breeder finally said, filed a police report. And they threatened to put me in jail. Well, I knew something wasn't right when we made that trip. And I told her point blank when she loaded more dogs than what she told me we were going to get, that when I found out that she was lying, it was over. And it took a couple months and a detective calling me. And finally, I just told her, look, I know you lied. I know you stole that dog. I'm done. I want a divorce. 
And she was arrested a week later. And uh, it just, it took, it took, I tried to file police report or uh, a divorce four times, but she lied and claimed I was abusing her to get into the shelter system to avoid me. And I don't even know what she benefited from that, except getting in the shelter system to avoid me for four years. And then she finally filed the divorce in God. So, oh God, I'm telling you, it was fucking, and Nevermore is sitting here telling me, you want me to kill her? You want me to kill her? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, murder is bad. I you don't you, need to go to jail for this. I can't you not. You know? She's like, the, what movie was that with the girl, the goth girl, and she holds up the sign out the window. You want me to yeah. kill him? Yeah. I kid you not. He sent me something one time when he was doing the I whole court thing. Testimony. I sent you a cop transcript of the testimony yeah. where she claimed I was making $1,300 an episode for the service dog show. And I'm like, bitch, I paid for that shit. After, <laughs> after a couple of minutes, he said something and I go, how many body bags? How many shovels? And I have, I have a veteran like... friend who was an Air Force forward uh, <laughs> combat controller. So, you know, he was a badass. Yeah. Um, I had, a, and he offered, he lives in Michigan and that cunt is in Michigan. And, and he offered in all seriousness in purpose, where is she? I'll make sure nobody finds the body. <laughs> and I'm like, bro, it's not worth that. It's not. You have better things to do with your time and your life. And I know nobody would ever be able to trace anything, but look, it's not worth that. It's not. But literally he offered. And, and I'm like, I, for about 0.35 seconds, I was like, eh, no, it's not, it's all good. It's everything's going to be fine. I walked away from there unscathed. I walked away from there with the pickup truck free and clear, uh, no debt other than my own in my name. And uh, I paid her $1,500, which I know she wasted. She, she claimed it was to replace a dog that I got stuck with gave to friends and eventually died of diabetes. And so she accused me of killing her dog, which wasn't true. And so she claimed that she wanted the $1,500 to buy a new dog so she could start breeding again. I know her and I know that each payment of $350, which was agreed upon and ordered by the, the judge, got wasted completely and she'll never buy another dog and breed. Please, I hope so, because she's an abusive piece of shit and she'll do it to the dogs when she can't do it to humans. Right. But I walked away. I, I honestly, I walked away from there clean as a whistle. And with that, I must take my leave. Good night, Google. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, Have fun in the castle. <laughs> Thanks. After, after I gotta you, go check on leave. the horse team. After you leave, I'm going to talk to Brad Borders because I've been trying to since Mike got off. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. I will see y'all next week. Nighty Bye. night. Bye. Bye, Google. <laughs> All right. So, as I said, I've been trying to talk to Mike or Brad Borders since Mike got off, but I didn't know JJ was going to go on a 11th hour rant. Um, Sorry. It's okay. This I'm one still time. not wearing pants. It's okay. Just this one time. Uh, Brad is from Oink. Purple Heart Homes. <laughs> uh, 
so we've got him on tonight. It's been a long ass time since we've had you on, brother. Uh, you've got a fundraiser coming up later this month. How are you, and what is this fundraiser? Yeah, yeah, it's a uh, well, we like to call it completely stupid, but not utterly pointless. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, two weeks from today, um, this is our second annual. It's called Take That Hill. Um, it's a I'm a, as I've gotten older. I'm, I'm 56, and uh, I was a CrossFit guy when I was uh, in the special operations community, and you know your joints and and things uh, begin to pay for that that <laughs> lifestyle. And so uh, uh, I took up uh, I took up cycling, and um, I, I did triathlons when I was in my 20s, and and um, and now I, I'm I'm averse to running, so uh, now I just ride. And uh, so last year when COVID hit, we were like. You know, hey man, how can we, how can we raise the money that it doesn't have to get a whole lot of people together? And so, I was like, well, you know, I could ride, I could ride my bike up a mountain, uh, you know, a bunch of times, um, you know, do something stupid, and uh, maybe people <laughs> would gravitate to that. And, and um, so I picked, I, you know, I, I just kind of, you know, for those that don't know, you know, Purple Heart Homes, we're we're a uh, we're a five hundred one c three. We uh, we do uh, critical home repair uh, for disabled veterans all across the country. In fact, um, uh, we've got two chapters in Alaska um, and and all the way to all the way to Florida and Arizona and you know so we've done work in 42 states and and uh, as of as of this week help you know done 852 veteran projects over the last 12 years. That's anywhere from ramps or bathrooms or new roofs, uh, or, or all the way to, to whole houses built for, for disabled veterans. And so, um, you know, we were, you know, your normal fundraising just kind of fell apart during COVID and you couldn't have banquets and, you know, golf tournaments and the kind of things where you got a lot of people together. And so I just decided, you know, I'd ride my bike up a mountain. Uh, and that's, you know, I, I kind of, you know, you know, the guys I served with at third group, all, you know, the, my, my buddies all fought and, Afghanistan and you know mountains that were ten thousand feet high, and I was like, "Hey, that's a good number. Let's just do that ten thousand feet." You know, and uh, so we found a little mountain over here in Alexander County, North Carolina. Um, it's a two-mile stretch of road, and and I was just going to ride up it by myself, but then I had a lot of other friends of mine that were like, "Hey, I'll you know I'll I, that sounds dumb. I'll do that with you." And uh, you know, it turned into this kind of uh, a bigger event than we thought it was going to be, and and so. Uh, uh, we raised, you know, we raised, a, a, you know, enough money to help four or five veterans just in, the, in one day last year. And so we decided it was stupid enough to do again. And uh, so this year we're doing it again. And so that's going to happen um, on October 23rd. Um, and I've got like 25 cyclists coming now. And, and we've um, enlisted some folks from uh, uh, another uh, veterans nonprofit, which is called Project Echelon. Um, and Oink, you'll be you'll be glad to know this that there is a veteran uh, named Jared Sarton who lives in Anchorage and, and is a civilian employee at, at at Fort Rich, and he's flying from Alaska down to North Carolina to do this event with us. And, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Jared Sarton. Yeah, S -A -R -E -I -N. you know Jared. You know Jared. Uh, that's Nevermore's maiden name. I wonder if there's a relationship, or if they're related. I have no idea, but yeah, but we got, you just, need to get a hold of me after this. We need to get in touch. Maybe that's a family member she doesn't know about. It, it could be, 
It could be. Uh, I know his, that was his last duty Small station planet, there. Man. Yeah. Wild. So, uh, so Jared's flying down from Alaska and going to stay with, you know, me and my wife here and, and uh, hang out with us for about five days and, and do the event with us. And, but Jared and I are both involved with a, with another nonprofit called Project Echelon, which I think is a unique, um, they help veterans transition uh, from their service and, and in recovery through physical fitness and, and, and using cycling to do that. And Project Echelon has a, has a, um, a pro race team that travels all around the country and they're like elite level athletes. They're, they're, they're not veterans. They're just these really gifted athletes that race all over the country and these downtown criteriums you may have you may have seen them but they're all they're all you know super you know if they if they lived in europe they'd be racing the tour de france but you know we we just don't have the cycling communities not that big here but uh um so we've got we partnered with them this year um and they're sending like 10 pro cyclists but jared and i and another and there's 11 bravo um a uh, guy that's still on active duty named Josh Bogoslowski, which is a really hard name to say, but we just call him Bogus. Um, Josh has been up 10th Mountain Division and uh, is getting ready to go to work for DIA. And um, and we're all veteran riders. So what Project Echelon does is if, they all, uh, if you, you, can, you can log into their website and you can apply to be a veteran member of Project Echelon. And what they do for you is they provide coaching and then they have cycling grant uh grants that you can apply for and so you know bicycles are extremely expensive and and for a lot you know a lot of folks that are getting out of the military buying a five thousand dollar bike is you know it's just out of the question because we some of us can't even afford a five thousand dollar car and and so what they do is they raise money uh to help veterans get into cycling at, at an extremely low cost they use a lot of they 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 get a lot of sponsors to uh, give extreme discounts on clothing and, and equipment and, and nutrition and things like that. And so um, it, it, it's really an amazing, uh, amazing organization that I'm really fond of and uh, just really been glad to be a part of. They, and also, too, is that they pair each veteran up with a with a professional cyclist who's their coach and and gives you training plans for what, whatever you're trying to do. Right. You know, and so for you know, younger guys who are still wanting to race or, or do triathlons or whatever, they provide coaching for that. For guys like me who are, you know, 56 years old, I'm just trying to stay in shape and trying to live a long time, you know, so I can see my grandkids and, um, you know, they, but you get a coaching platform on that. So they're, they're partnering with us on this event. There's going to be a cool virtual side to it where, uh, you know, I don't know if you've seen guys riding indoor trainers and things like that. There's, people will be able to participate in the take that hill event by riding a virtual side of that, you know, anywhere in the world, uh, through a platform. And we've got links where people can get to that. And, um, but ultimately our goal is to raise, uh, we're trying to raise $50,000 this year. Um, we're doing that through, you know, through direct sponsorship of all our teammates and, and riders and stuff. And like I sent you the link and, you know, if you want to share that with folks, that'd be great. And yep. We got the that drop in chat. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And and so, and the other thing we're doing is that we're we're allowing folks to to honor or uh, express appreciation to um, uh, veterans or caregivers of veterans that they love or know or or maybe veterans that are no longer with us that they want to honor or in memory of. And so, what we're doing is uh, like we did last year is we're going to be carrying uh, American flags to the top of the mountain 
and uh, in their honor. And folks can sponsor those flags, and, and that's all available on our website. Um, and um, uh, once the once the flags are carried to the top of the mountain, then the week after that, we're going to box them up and um, and send those out to uh, the veteran or the caregiver. You know, I bought I bought one for my wife. You know, she looked after me. You know, while I was deployed and and gone for you know eleven years, and and uh, um, you know, so she, you know, she really towed the line and and uh, raised our kids and did a great job. She's an awesome mom, and I wanted to honor her. And so uh, uh, we have that opportunity that folks can partner with us and honor and thank someone in their life that has served or or served someone that has served. But then also too, that donation also pays it forward to a veteran who may be sitting in their house right now wondering how their roof is going to get fixed or wondering how they're going to be able to get out of their house because they don't have a ramp or something. And so uh, uh, it's a pretty cool event. We're really excited about it and, and uh, super thankful to you guys for giving us the platform to talk about it. No, brother, it's it's absolutely an honor uh, for myself and everyone here at DV Radio. I know uh, I always fuck up. Oink. Purple Heart Homes. <laughs> Every time I say it, <laughs> but it isn't on purpose. It's the only organization that I still screw up to this day. So I always call it like, um, but what you've done for veterans and their families and what you continue to do and what I know you'll get done, um, and, and what you'll strive to do in the future. Uh, it's an honor. It's a pl- pleasure and a privilege to, to be a part of your team, so to speak. And, and to have you guys a part of the DV radio family, I, I know we don't get to get you on as much as you would like. And we would like, but it's always beautiful for lack of a better term, uh, to hear what you're doing, the fundraisers you're doing, the people you've helped. Um, it's, it's just amazing to see that people like you will go out of your way even though, like you said, you're you're feeling the pains of your younger days uh, and probably feel uh, like you're in a 90-year-old body like I do, um, <laughs> to go out of your way to help another veteran and their family. And yeah, I, I appreciate it, man. I, I you know, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed, man. I feel pretty good. Um, um, and uh, I'm thankful to be able, still be able to do, uh, you know, a, a really cruel event like this. Uh, and so, um, <laughs> but, you know, it's funny, last year, there's a really cool story that came out of last year. When, when we were riding the event last year, um, I noticed this, we, we finished up and, and we were all miserable, man. I mean, we were hurting. And after six, six hours, you know, climbing up a hill, um, you know, on your bike, it hurts, it's painful. And so we were all sitting around, everybody was eating some pizza and having some uh, cold beverages. And, and this, this pickup truck showed up, this old Dodge white pickup truck. And this, this gentleman got out and he was in his early seventies. And, um, he came up and introduced himself to me and he said, yeah, what are you guys, what are you guys doing here? And, and I was like, well, we're raising money for this organization that I work for called Purple Heart Homes. And, um, he was like, well, tell me about it. And so I told him the story and, and he was like, gosh, this is so cool what you're doing. Thank you so much. He said, well, I'm a veteran. Um, I, um, I, I served during the Vietnam era. I was in the Navy and uh, I noticed he was limping a little bit. And, and uh, but you really couldn't tell there was anything going on other than he, in fact, he had a little bit of a limp. He was a little unsteady on uneven ground. 
And turns out he, he was an amputee and he had, he had lost his leg uh, in, a, in a motorcycle accident about two years after he got back from serving in the Navy uh, in, in 1972. So he'd been living for, you know, 50 years, 40, 50 years with a, with a you know, missing this limb. Wow. And, and so as we got to know him, and he invited me to come up to his house, which was on top of the mountain where we were riding. And I went up there um, and found out that he was living in a 12 by 16 tool shed on top of this mountain where he had, it was a single room. There were no walls in it. He had a couch and he had taken a toilet and a shower out of an old RV and plumbed it himself. And he had been living like that for 20 years. He had a kerosene heater, gets cold up on top of that mountain. He had turned the heat up at night. And then when it would, when he was about ready to fall asleep, he would turn it off and then crawl underneath an electric blanket. And I was just like, dude, you, you cannot live like this. Right. I mean, please let us help you. And he would, he was adamant. He was like, surely there's someone that deserves this more than me. And, and so finally, after my wife and I brought him some Thanksgiving dinner and, and, uh, we finally convinced him to put an application in. We approved him. And I sent Oik a video um, um, from my TikTok channel. Right? Gosh, I can't <laughs> believe I'm even saying that. Right. Uh, <laughs> dear Lord. But uh, um, but la- but like a month ago, we delivered a brand new tiny home uh, up to his place. And so it's being finished right now. Uh, before winter gets here, he's going to be in a brand new home. And um, it's 320 square foot tiny home. And we're building those. We're constructing those at our facility in Statesville, North Carolina right now. And that his is the fourth one. We've got a fifth one ready to go for another Vietnam veteran who won the who won the Bronze Star with Valor. Um, and we're just really excited about being able to solve housing um, you know, issues for for our older veterans and even for our younger veterans. But if we had not done that stupid event. Well, on our bicycles, we would have never met this man. He'd still be living up there. He'd still be cold in the winter because he would have never asked for help because he was too proud, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, that's just a microcosm of what we do, uh, what we, I would say this, what we get to do on, on a daily basis. And so uh, uh, it's really cool to have platforms to tell those stories because, you know, he, his is a story that no one would have ever heard unless we had met him. And so uh, thank you guys for giving us the opportunity to do that. Uh, again, thank you for allowing us to do that. I mean, without you allowing us, people would never know of Oink. Purple Heart Homes and chapters in your area. <laughs> yeah. I'm serious, dude. I Every time I screw it up. Um, so, like I said, it's it's a pleasure. It's an honor um, just to have you on here and for you to want to be on here because I, I know how yeah. people look at DV. I, I, I know I'm, I know what people say about what dysfunctional means. Um, but you are one of the few that actually understands what we mean by that. And to be able to say, Hey, this is somebody we trust. This is an organization you can uh, trust yourself and, and reach out to you at a moment's notice. And, and even if they can't help you, they'll, they'll find somebody who can most likely. Um, it's, it's nice to have that as a part of the family. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Well, look, man, a, on a daily basis, I work with about, uh, 
14 other dysfunctional veterans uh, at, at my place of work at Purple Heart Homes. And so you know, we, we're, we're all dysfunctional. Um, you know, I'm, I'm uh, you know, I lead, a, I lead a combat recovery course uh, for veteran, local veterans here in Iredale County. And, and uh, so, um, you know, we're, we're, I'm dysfunctional, they're dysfunctional. We're okay with that, you know, so uh, uh, we are who we are, right? You know, exactly. Uh, we, we got, we got, uh, we got pulled out of uh, our, uh, our uh, kind of normal existence here and we got thrown into the heat of whatever we got thrown into and we came back different. Right. right. And uh, we're like jigsaw uh, pieces of a jigsaw puzzle that we don't go back into the same hole that we came out of, you know? And so, uh, um, and, uh, but uh, I appreciate what y'all are doing. I appreciate, I, I think the thing that, you know, every time I listen to you guys, I'm, I'm, I'm always um, impressed with the uh, unbridled honesty uh, with which uh, everybody <laughs> speaks and, and shares their stories. And, you know, and it, and, you know, there's, there needs to be space for that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, um, and, and, and there needs to be space for, for veterans to, to come and listen and go, yeah, I know what those guys are talking about. And I've been there and I've had re- ruined relationships and, I've had this happen to me physically and, and, um, and so, and, and ultimately why? So, so that, so that folks out there that are listening know that they're not the only ones because that's when, when, when folks crawl in the hole of despair and self-destruction um, and isolation, what is, what is the typical issue is they, they feel alone. Yeah. And uh, what you guys are doing uh, every week is, is letting people know that they're not alone. So thanks for doing that. Definitely. And that's, that's what I, I think that's my biggest thing about DV radio. And that's why I started calling it DV radio network to a lot of people is because it's not just about us getting on here and venting per se. Um, but it is a place where I want people to feel comfortable, whether they are a veteran or they're a civilian or they're active duty, because if you look, like you said at, the majority of people that have the issues that we discuss, it is, I don't fit in. And even yeah. in our own veteran community, I don't fit in yeah. with those yeah. guys over there or those chicks over there. And I, I, yeah. I was the kid that didn't fit in in school and I didn't fit in, you know, with a lot of people at my first unit. And then Iraq happened and it was a family. And yeah. I, I know yeah. a lot of people are like, I'm so sorry you've got Crohn's and you're disabled because of it. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not. Because if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be talking to Brad. I wouldn't be talking to Oink. I wouldn't know JJ. I wouldn't know Nevermore. Like, I wouldn't be able to do this. And wouldn't, more than likely, none of you would be talking to one another. Yeah. No, not Agreed. in Alaska. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. And so, hey, you know, I, I'm. I appreciate you having Mike on, man. So that story, that book that he wrote, mm-hmm. uh, when I was over in Iraq, man, I was on, I was on a joint op with uh, with an Air Force, some Air Force guys, and the 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 06 that was running the Air Force side of this op we were on, he was uh, one of those pilots uh, in the in the first Gulf War, um, oh. and the, it was it, he his name was I don't remember his name. But his call sign was Chewy because because he was like really tall. They, they, they all called him Chewbacca. Right. And <laughs> and uh, but it was funny because 
we had we were at we were at Spiker, which was the home of the Iraqi Air Force Academy, right? And so they were flying in all these training um, training planes, and there was a there was an Iraqi general there. He was a, he was a he was a one star Iraqi general, and him and Chewy uh, were working together to reconstitute the Iraqi Air Force. And um, Chewy and this Iraqi general through their they compared log books from 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 the Gulf War, and they here's this is crazy. They figured that they were they were probably eyeball to eyeball, you know, competing against each other back in the back in the Gulf War. Oh right? my God! By, by comparing their log books, it was the it was the coolest thing. So here I'm I'm sitting here with this you know Air Force 06 and this Iraqi 07, and they're and they're talking about you know the ops that they went on and. You know, the Iraqi guys flying a MiG and Chewie's flying a F-15. Yep. And man, it was the coolest thing. And here these two guys were working together, you know, um, and, and like breaking bread together. It was really it was really neat to see how things had, had come, you know, full circle on that. So I appreciate awesome. what Mike has done. Thank you guys for having him, him on. I hope a, hope a bunch of people buy his book, man. Definitely. Uh, it's, he wrote and and got really close with uh Hal Moore. And Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Wow. Um he's got what three books? God, I love General Moore. Yeah, and I think two or three books on Hal Moore alone. And wow. yeah. yeah, and he he was they got really close and Hal Moore was one of those people that was that that did, he's like us. He doesn't allow a lot of people in his life. And yeah. Yeah. When when we were talking to Mike, uh, one of the f- first times he came on and he was uh, promoting one of his Hal Moore books, he was talking about how that was so. I don't know the word because it, it 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 struck him so much and 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 it and it was it in a good way, you know, and yeah. To be allowed into this man's personal life, and for him to tell all these stories that he probably rarely talked about to anybody. Yeah, um, no kidding, man. Wow, and, what, and a, then, what a privilege, huh? Right, and then he allowed Mike to to write all these books and and whatnot, and I'm just like, wow, you know, like yeah. that that is for me and and recoil. That would be like the equivalent of going and being able to meet uh, Lee Ermy. Uh, yeah, right. Honestly, I'm hey, I met Lee Army. I met really, him. really in the in the airport, man. In the, I was coming through the airport, and <laughs> I don't know, it was like 2011 or something. I saw him, man. I I beelined to him, and I was <laughs> I was like, you know, like starstruck, and I was right. like, you know, I was like, hey, Sarge, what's up, man? <laughs> you know? Yeah, and he uh, was, uh, yeah, he was on his way somewhere, but man, it was just cool to be able to shake his hand, you know, right. So, and, you know, I didn't know, uh, it was a few months before he had passed, but I didn't know, uh, that he had been on a little decline and I had actually reached out to them and they never reached back. And I was like, I'm wondering why. And then not long after that, he passed away and I was like, that makes sense. <laughs> um, yeah. but yeah, I can only imagine, you know, someone as iconic as those two and being able and being allowed into their, to their life, to their home and just, being able to shoot the shit, if you will, you know, right. it's, it, it's not an everyday occurrence, you know, and I, I love having those stories. And, and that's another thing you, you were mentioning stories 
I mean, if you yeah. ever have anybody that wants to, you know, talk about Oink. Purple Heart Homes. <laughs> and, and what you guys have done for them. We, we're yeah. always here. Please let them know. You, you know, yeah, you guys can, can come that. on with them. Um, we can even, you know, do like I'm doing with DV against uh, DV. And if they want to send it in the story and, and and us voice it, we'll we'll make it into a little script and, and do it that way. But I'd love to do that as well. Because like we were saying, a lot of uh, not enough stories get told. You know, yeah. and it's yep. not because we're wanting the fame and, and what all we're wanting to showcase. Look, you can change somebody's life by just doing this one simple thing. Right. I mean, Man, I'll tell you what, I'd, I'd love to get um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Nick Lavery, um, but um, Nick, um, I served with Nick at third group and um, Nick, Nick lost, lost his leg. Um um, he's where he only had four inches of femur left. And, um, he, uh, he's the first really uh, first above the knee amputee to go back to, to combat. And, uh, he's okay. still, he's still serving actively. He's a, he's a warrant up at fifth group. Now he's oh, a nice. team warrant and his, he's, he's like one of the most unique individuals I've ever met. He just, he just got through writing a book and he could, his book is, is about, he's really, his book has some vignettes in it about mm -hmm. some of, uh, some of his life, but, but really it's about leadership and, uh, and, and stuff that he's learned, you know, but Nick is a unique individual, not only physically, he's like six, six. Um, and with, without a leg, he weighs like 250 pounds and, and he is a specimen, man. Um, so if he but, had the leg, he would weigh 300 <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, I've seen him, I've seen him squat like 350 pounds with one leg. Damn. I've watched it. I've watched it. It's, Three. it's, uh, it's remarkable, but I'm not joking. Um, when I was able to, is, I'm sorry, when I was able to exercise and do squats, my limit was 300. Like I could do yeah, like two crazy, squats man. and it's I couldn't crazy. do anymore. Yeah. <laughs> it's insane. It's insane. So, so Nick is Nick and I are, have been working together, and Nick's Nick's developed quite a, a a following on the you know on all the social medias that kind of thing, and um, and uh, but he's he's helping he's helping Purple Heart Homes. Uh, he's helping us get our message out. Um, but um, he's got he's from South Boston, man. He's got this crazy South Boston pack the car kind of you know <laughs> accent, you know, and and. Uh, um, he's a, but he's a great interview, a uh, great storyteller. Uh, I think he'd be, I think he'd be perfect, uh, for y'all's show. And he would, he would identify with everything that you're saying. Oh, definitely. Um, and, and it'd be entertaining for, for folks to listen to as well. Definitely brother. Just like you've got our contact. It's always, I will square you invite. away, my man. Brother, yeah. it's always open-ended invite for you and your friends and family. Always. Um, thanks brother. I wouldn't turn you guys away on a, on the worst of days. So. Yeah, <laughs> well, today has been a, today's been an interesting day. So I, uh, you know, I was I was uh, I was in Monroe, North Carolina. I was a I was uh, officiating a memorial service for a Vietnam veteran that that uh, is that was the father of a dear friend of mine, and um, they were having a big party um, to celebrate his dad's life and. Uh, uh, you know, had the old cats from the VFW out, you know, uh, rendering honors with the firing of volleys and folding of the flag and everything. And then they had a big barbecue and 
just just honoring his dad's life. And in the middle of that, you know, my my I get a we get a text from my son who had a bicycle accident and freaking broke his clavicle. And <laughs> and so I was at the ER, you know, and and so uh, it's been a it's been an interesting day. But, you know, man, hey, you know, life gives you days like that, you know, exactly. And, and, uh, um, but, uh, you know, what a privilege to be able to take care of my friend and, and, and honor his dad and then take care of my son at the ER all in one day. Right. You know? Right. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> speaking of, you know, the negatives versus the positives, I, I got so tired of somebody that I'm not going to mention always coming with at me with all oh, this, that, and the other every single day. And it's little stuff, you know, like, <sighs> the internet's out or the phone is like stupid stuff, stupid first world problems. Right. And they're acting like it's the end of the world. And I got so tired of it. I didn't say their name, but they're cause they're not the only one, but I just had enough of it. So one day I'm like, look, you guys focus so much on the negatives. Yeah. You're going to notice every little negative thing in your life. And that's all your life's going to be about. What about the positives? What about when your cell phone does have signal? What about when you do have internet? Like 99% of the time, it's not that damn bad. But if you focus on it, yeah, it's pretty damn bad. I mean, I I can't walk and I use a bad side commode. Yeah, that's pretty damn bad. But you know what? I'm here. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like I, I... and I'm not saying don't complain because even I'll complain once in a while. I'm like, oh, my God, my fucking Internet's out because I live at the foot of a mountain and the phone company sucks. Um, but <laughs> but the, the people that, you know, just complain about the pettiest of things, like like I said, like it's the last in the end of the world. It's like, OK, you, you need to hit reality and, and have a little self check there for once. But. Anyway. It could always be worse, couldn't it? Exactly. Exactly. People hate when I say that because they're like, how much worse can it be? Well, I could be dead. Um, <laughs> I've come close quite a few times. So <laughs> or I could be a vegetable, which I don't want to be. Um, that, that would be the absolute worst, <laughs> I think. Um, but yeah. Uh, so where can people go, Oink, uh, for more of this? And Brad, <laughs> is there anything else you want to end on with uh, what's going on with the uh, uh, the fundraiser that's coming up um, in October uh, at mm, at the end of this yeah, month? October twenty third. Yeah. Yeah, because no, we are in October. Super, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's super easy, man. Uh, hold on, here, I'll fill in for Oink. Okay. Purple Heart Home. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yep. uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. The website's phhusa.org. That's uh, I, I would do it in military nomenclature, but uh, uh, Papa, right? Yeah. <laughs> hotel, hotel, uniform, Sierra Alpha, right? Uh, uh, okay. ORG, right? You know, so uh, I can't believe that a forces guy is having trouble with that. <laughs> I know. Right? Yeah. I'm a goddamn pogue, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I, I heard some of the banter back and forth uh, with with uh, uh, somebody else's website, so I had to throw that in there. So, that uh, that was JJ's. Uh, that was JJ. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So Seriously, uh, we need to talk uh, offline though, because. Yeah. Because I think Mr. Sarton may be re- related to Nevermore, which would be wild and hilarious. <laughs> that would be crazy, man. Yeah, Jared. Jared is. Uh, yeah, I'm super excited about Jared 
uh, coming down to North Carolina and he canceled his vacation. <laughs> his wife is probably so mad at me. They were going to go to Costa Rica and, uh, and he was like, no, nah, I'm coming to North Carolina to do this stupid event with you. And so nice. <laughs> and I was like, don't get me in trouble, man. Honey, <laughs> it's not that I don't love you, but the brotherhood. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't work anymore with me, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, man, if, if people want to check out what we're doing, uh, yeah, our website's the, the best place to go. We're, we're, uh, you know, we're all on the, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, but we're on Facebook. I heard, I heard some other names for that. Yeah, we're, we are on the Facebooks and the Instagrams and, and the TikToks and, and all of that, you know. So uh, uh, if you just kind of look in for Purple Heart Homes, you'll uh, you'll find us. We're pretty we're pretty easy to find. So, uh, yeah, check us out and keep up with what we're doing and uh, find a place to get involved. And um, if anybody wants to uh, put in a, a volunteer request and want to get their hands dirty and get out on a job and uh, we'll uh, see what we can do to to help make that happen if they're you're in the trade world and and uh they do uh carpentry work and or you know um, electricians or plumbers and uh roofers that kind of thing uh we're always looking for folks that are uh willing to you know give a day or two to to help a veteran out so uh we're grateful um speaking of volunteers uh how many chapters do you have now and i know at one time you said you were going to expand on that but you weren't in a hurry yeah yeah we've got we've got 14 chapters right now we just started a new one in jacksonville florida which is uh i'm i'm really excited about uh got some motivated folks down there um and uh you know we're we have have chapter discussions with folks uh you know on a weekly basis um about uh you know what what it what it takes to to be a chapter we've kind of we kind of reduced the complexity of that over, over the last couple of years. We used to, it used to be a little more formal where each chapter would form their own EIN, uh, their own kind of nonprofit with their own board. But we kind of did away with that to reduce some of the wickets and hurdles uh, to get things started. And so now kind of all of our chapters are underneath one big Purple Heart Homes umbrella. And it's really what we're just looking for is teams of volunteers that are willing to carry our flag forward into their community to help a few veterans uh, locally and leverage their relationships to uh, to bring about change in people's lives and and uh, and give and, and give the and give their community the opportunity to give back to veterans there. Awesome, awesome. And guys, if you want to donate, again, please go to their website. They've also got a store where you can buy some swag, as you guys call it these days. And I and I yeah. just. I just found my next big purchase. It's a nice little hatchet. Um, oh, shoot, that. man. That's Hardcore Hammers, bro. Hey, <laughs> let me tell you something about this company, man. Hardcore Hammers is out of Hillsboro, Illinois. They make framing hammers and hatchets and axes and all kinds of, all kinds of, they've got four branded products that they, they found out about us through one of our board members and uh, uh, we got in touch with them. Um, uh, you know, about a month ago and they were like, Hey, we want to do something big. Well, they came on board. They're the title sponsor for take that hill this year. Nice. Uh, and they, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Woody and Wilcox, uh, which is a, mm -hmm. they're a, you know, radio duo down in Charlotte on one Oh six, five, the end. And mm -hmm. they're syndicated in about 18, uh, different markets, but Woody is actually riding the event with us and they sponsored Woody. Right. <laughs> you know, and, and, uh, 
and they sent us all kinds of stuff, but they're branded. They've got branded hammers that have Purple Heart Homes, you know, uh, burnt into the handle. They are lifetime hammers. I mean, if you buy one of these hammers, I don't care if you use nail guns. Everybody knows you put on a tool belt and you go to work in the morning. You know, you're a blue collar guy like me. Um, whether you got a nail gun or not, you're going to have a hammer hanging from your belt. You got to have a hammer. You got to. And their hammers are got lifetime warranties on them. They are the single toughest hammers I've ever swung in my life. And, and uh, they're a really cool company and, and they love veterans. Um, and, and so they're, they're a part of Take That Heal. I, I sold it to them. I was like, look, man, this is a blue collar event, man, with blue collar dudes riding it. <laughs> and they were like, yeah, we want to be involved with that. Right. You know, so uh, it's and, we, and I told him, I said, we're going to hammer that mountain. And they were like, we should be involved. And I was like, well, dude, you're in. Right. And so <laughs> it's been a it's been a match made in heaven. So, uh, yeah, check that out. And, and so what they do is for every Purple Heart Homes uh, branded hatchet, axe or hammer, or tire thumper, as they call it. It's like it's like a like a little billy club you can keep in your car. Yeah. But they donate twenty. They donate twenty five percent back to Purple Heart Homes, uh, which is they, and they sell a lot of them. Man, it's it's pretty it's pretty cool. Yeah, I uh, I'm I'm eyeing the survivalist and raptor. Uh, yes, and axe. yes, I'm, you're good. You I'm dead. I'm yeah. definitely getting the survivalist one this month. I may have to wait till next month to get the Raptor axe, but I'm definitely getting yeah. both those axes. And if I ever get the time, they'll be crossed and hung up on the wall. So <laughs> I've got a Raptor axe in my office and that thing is nasty. Yeah. It looks, it yeah. looks sick. I seen that and I was like, it looks a little small. And then I opened it up and was like, no, that's a badass axe right there. <laughs> oh, you can cut a tree down with that thing for sure. Oh, yeah. I bet. I bet. And I, yeah. I, I like that mean look on that survivalist hatchet too. And yeah, they've got the, and every, every single one of their uh, hammers or hatchets has a don't tread on me symbol for you Navy vets out there. So, uh, yeah. or, or just great Americans, right? It's got the don't tread on me snake on the, on the, yeah, on the flag. So, yep. Yeah, I, I love awesome. that. First yeah, I, Jack. I, I've got to grab at least one of the two this month. So I'm, I'm yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm 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 fanning <laughs> out over here. Okay. All right. So please go check out purplehearthomesusa.org. There you go. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Oink, man. Your Oink is our, he's our spokesperson. He is. He is. When it comes to this, that's the one thing Bo can't ever get right. Uh, check out the October 23rd fundraiser, Take That Hill. Uh, it begins at 8 a.m. Is that Eastern time, I'm presuming, because it is in North Carolina? Yeah, actually, okay. it's gonna, we, we've shifted it. It's going to begin at 9. It's going to be at okay. 9 a.m. There's going to be a live broadcast, right? I'll send you guys the link for it. Okay. You'll be able to watch it live. Um, there's gonna, we got a professional broadcast team that's gonna, it's gonna do, there's gonna do some, they're doing some really cool stuff. Um, have some, uh, um, you know, veteran stories about veterans that we serve, but then do some live interviews with some of our riders and, uh, it'll be really neat. And so once I get the, once I get the info on, on the web streaming, it's gonna, it's gonna be live streamed on, on our, uh, uh, for lack of a better term, Facebook page. Um, that's gonna that's gonna happen. And uh, but it's on a ZMS live stream. It's kind of one that uh, people do for a lot of online gaming and stuff. So, uh, uh, but um, but it'll be really neat to be able to watch. So. Okay. 
And I, I look forward to that. See, JJ, you and Nevermore in the field, you could have went down there on the 23rd and for DB Radio. I'm just it, saying. We, just we might still. <laughs> uh, it's going hey, to be at welcome. Barrett Mountain. It could happen. <laughs> uh, so please go check them out. If you want to sponsor one of the riders, you want to donate to uh, somebody. <laughs> From Lauren Holmes, <laughs> purchase a flag for the event. Please do so. And if you can't share, I beg you share, 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 because you never know who's going to see it and can do a lot more with just seeing your share. Um, we're at our, our two hour mark, and I've got to pee really bad. So, JJ, <laughs> really quick, last words, or I'm muting you. <laughs> Last words, uh, com slash shop. I've got swag. I've got a men's and women's t-shirt and a ball cap. Until October 23rd, all proceeds from swag sales at com are going to Kim Tippin, who is a woodturner, and her family. Kim is the spouse of a retired uh, military veteran. She's very careful on her YouTube, so I don't know what service. I don't know. Anyway, they've, uh, as he retired, they purchased a house that's taking a year to build um, and shit happened and they're, they're essentially homeless, which is ridiculous, but the wood turning community is coming together and support them. And there's no reason why the veteran community can't. So if you go buy a Watai Wood Turning Funnel Club t-shirt, male or female versions, or a Watai Wood Turning ball cap, all proceeds from those sales until the 23rd of October are going to support Kim Tippin and her family. And uh, go fuck yourselves. And let's go, Brandon. <laughs> You're an asshole. <laughs> um, don't forget, you only have until October 15th to grab your dead air hat from DB Radio Store. You have your choice of black, navy, and green camo, and they all are the exact same design except for color. I hope you guys all like them. Again, that's only until October 15th. That's next Friday. And The hat is badass. The hat is badass. Thank Nevermore you. and I each have one, and it's awesome. I don't Thank have any hair now. <laughs> thank you uh I, I spent a lot of time on those hats to be honest with you and i i, I got the mock-up and when i got the mock-up i done on the side it says dvradio.net but i done uh capitalized dvr and then i done lowercase radio.net because i wanted to see which r looked better and my mom was like you know you put dvrradio.net and i was like yeah on purpose it's a mock-up that's what a mock-up is. <laughs> so I've got the most original DV radio dead air dysfunctional cap in the history of dysfunctional veterans caps uh, in existence. But please go purchase one uh, if you like those types of things. Again, that's only until October 15th. And we still got a shit ton of stuff over there. PTS Dogs got some t-shirts over there. Uh, the uh, Road to Recovery DV Farm t-shirts there. DV against DV apparel is still there as well don't forget your uh coffee cups and mugs because i think i still have the camping mugs up um and little by little things are disappearing because you guys don't seem to want them so i'm taking them away uh oink last words hey with the my sharona virus still out there in full effect with everything um uh, check on your brothers and sisters reach out need help objectivezero.org check them out use the app <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, definitely. Uh, I had it. I survived it. It's bullshit. <laughs> don't forget that Objective Zero is also now on all PCs, so you can go through uh, your computer and use that as well. You can be whomever you want to be. Choose whomever you want to talk to at a moment's notice. Please don't test how quickly they respond. Don't do it. I've told you guys enough. Don't do not do that. That's not something to play around with. Uh, Brad, do you have anything that you'd like to end on? I am good, brother. Thank you all so much for the time. I'm thankful for you guys and uh, wish you all the best. And I'll keep listening. Thank you so much. No, thank you, brother. Um, I don't think there is much more to say other than check out the fundraiser. And check out the book Skybreak and go to all those websites. It'll all be in the description below, I promise. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening and tuning in. I, I can't thank you all enough. It's it's what motivates us. And if you've got anything you want to say to us, suggest to us, info at dvradio.net. For Oink. Mr. PTS Dog, Brad Borders, Mike Gordia, Google, Sergeant War Dog, who obviously didn't make it, and I'm sure he's got a good acid trip story, <laughs> reasons to why I'm Bonerwood. You just heard Barrett's talk right here on WDVRDBRadio.net. Until next week, Flat Cycles, bye-bye. Hit us up on Facebook and Twitter. Goodbye, motherfucker! <laughs> <laughs> TV Radio.